Welcome to the Pattern Podcast from KXE in London. As a church, we want to learn ways of being with Jesus, becoming like him and doing the things he did in order to see this city we love transformed. This podcast is a resource to help us explore these spirit-filled patterns of living and start putting them into practice every day. To understand more about how we can live courageous lives, we caught up with an old friend of KXE, Jay Pathak. Jay is the lead pastor of Mile High Vineyard in Denver, Colorado, and has so many stories of taking risks that we thought we'd ask him how we too can practice courage in our daily lives. Jay Pathak, thank you so much for, for giving up the time to talk to us all the way from Denver. Are you in Denver at the moment? I am. I Believe it or not, I'm actually at home. You've got a fireplace next to you. This looks lovely. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, just in a boring I'm, office. So. Um, hey, Jay, we'd love, you know, we've always um, learned so much from you over the years and loved having you with us at one of our weekends away a couple of years back. Um, and you always have stories to tell around sort of courageous things that you or people in your community have been doing. So we wanted to ask you today about um, the spiritual practice of courage. Um, uh, so can you kick us off, just talk about what does it actually mean to practice courage? Well, I mean, throughout the ages, all the people we want to listen to or pay attention to talk about courage as sort of being the foundational virtue of all other virtue that without courage, you don't have any other virtue because every other virtue is tested at the point of courage. So if you say you want to be generous somewhere in there, you have to exercise courage in order to be generous because you'll come to the end of whatever is easy for you. Um, if you want to be kind somewhere in there, you're tested in a way that you have to press beyond fear and your own safety in order to be kind. You have to exercise courage. So, uh, actually we do a little thing with my family where we talk about the virtues we're trying to cultivate in our family. And we say courage is sort of the root of all other virtues. So, yeah. So for me and what we try to do in my own family or in the life of our church, we try to talk about courage a lot. That's awesome. So what, what, um, we'll come on to some of those things in a bit, but what does the Bible say about courage and where do we see it in the life of Jesus and those first disciples? Well, the number one most repeated command in the Bible above all other commands is do not be afraid. So, you know, there you go. I mean, I, you know, if you just look through the whole Bible, what's repeated as a command more than any other command? It's do not be afraid. And so fear grips us from all directions, from the inside, from the outside. Um, really, there's pretty much everything in our culture challenges us to be careful. Frankly, our own biology <laughs> tells us to be careful. You know, don't hurt yourself. Uh, so just from that command, but then if you think about acts, uh, since you brought up acts, Mm. um, everything that happens in the life of the church growing requires them being sacrificial and brave. And whenever they pray and ask for boldness, so for example, like acts four, um, they're saying, stretch out your hand, heal the sick, fill your servants with boldness that they might proclaim they might speak up about that we might talk about Jesus it says the Holy Spirit filled them in the place where they were the ground shook so 
Yeah, it seems like this is something that God really cares about and that he empowers us by his presence to not just think about ourselves, but to be willing to risk, to experience pain, to suffer for the sake of representing Jesus in the world. So, yeah, there's really nothing you can look at in the Bible that is interesting that doesn't require courage. I'm presuming that includes the life of Jesus. I mean, if it's marked out by suffering and, and all of those things, what, yeah, you see it in the life of Jesus, presumably? Yeah, well, I, I mean, Jesus is willing to say over and over, I'm not just doing what I want to do. I'm trying to do what the Father is doing. And again, that can be a little bit of a mind game, a little trip, like, okay, but he's God and he's, so how is God doing what God wants? And so if you can get out of sort of the metaphysical trippiness of that, I mean, all throughout the scriptures, you see him getting away to be with God, hearing again what the Father is saying and doing, and then pushing against the external pressures of others, his internal sort of desires for comfort and safety and then keeping up with what God is doing in the world. So Mark 1 is one of my favorites. All the different folks are coming around to be healed. And he sneaks off early in the morning and goes and he prays. And then the disciples find him and go, everybody's looking for you. What are you doing? You know, we got stuff to do. All these people want to get healed. And he goes, uh, you know, let's go somewhere else. You imagine like this whole queue forming for healing prayer with Jesus. And he just like actually leaves the venue <laughs> because he says, yeah, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. But so in other words, that internal work of formation enables us to be the kind of people that can be courageous. They're both inextricably linked, but internal formation without courageous outflow is a form of navel, navel gazing, mm. you know, strange thing. But then just taking risks without sort of any kind of internal formation, even that can become either a way that we hurt ourselves, kind of, it's like some kind of strange thrill seeking that isn't grounded in security, or it's just a way of trying to be showy and gutsy in a way that other people are noticing. But Jesus strikes that balance. And, you know, we could look at a bunch of places. I mean, actually, we could look at the way he constantly withdraws. We could look at the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will be done, but your will be done. So even suffering isn't just some sort of showy thing for Jesus, a way of demonstrating who God is and what he's like. Mm. What's the relationship between um, courage and faith then? Well, faith is the substance of things unseen, you know, according to the writer of Hebrews, right? So you can, you see something that isn't there. there. So for example, like someone wants to plant a church. They have to look crazy um, because they can see a church that's not there. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who fights for justice, they can imagine a world where women aren't treated the way they are now. They can imagine a world where women have dignity and are not treated as sexual objects. Most people look at people like that and say, you don't live in like the real world. Yeah, of course they don't. They're living in a future world. They're imagining a world that looks more like heaven. Hmm. But then in order to live into that reality, you have to have courage because you're, you still have to live in the real world where 
there's systems and powers and frankly demonic forces that try to keep the world as it is. Um, and so I can't remember who it is right now, but it'll come to me later, probably around two in the morning when I wake up, it'll come. But, but he says that, uh, you know, the rational man sees the world as it is. The irrational man sees the world as it could be. And so therefore all real change in the world happens through irrational people. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so faith looks crazy and encourages the ability to live through the pressures and the pain that inevitably comes. You try to live into the world as it should be. So what, what is, what does a life look like? This absence of, uh, has an absence of courage. Like what are we left with? If we don't step out, if we don't take these risks, if we don't try and live into the future reality we know is possible through Jesus, what are we left with? Well, lots of people would say we're just left with the world as it is. But I actually don't believe it's that's even true. I think it's worse than that. I have a much darker view of uh, humanity. Um, I, I believe what Paul says in Ephesians. He says, you know um, – effectively says that the, the world around us is evil. And so I think a lack of courage means that the world slides deeper into darkness and into selfishness and into the exploitation of people who are marginalized. So um, be careful how you live then, not as unwise but as wise, for the days are evil says Paul. So, so for me, um, I think a lack of courage means that the world continues to descend into destructive patterns. So sadly, sometimes what courage does is just keeps us standing still. The world around you is not morally neutral. Uh, the world around you is empowered by evil forces and it will take people that are filled by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit who live with courage, sadly, even to keep the world standing still. So in other words, you're going against the current. And I don't know if you've ever stood in a strong current like in a river or in the ocean. To just stand still requires strength. But all the more to move forward, um, to see our, our own lives change and uh, – to think we're a part of something that's going to change the world is going to take exceptional courage. I mentioned at the start that we've always loved hearing stories from you about um, ways you or others that you know have stepped out. Tell, you got any that you could share with us just to kind of help us grasp what it might look like to live a life of courage? Well, I, I what's hard about that is that it really depends on where everybody's at, doesn't it? Sure. Uh, so for me, I think courage is do you still scare yourself? So what scares me might be different than what scares you. You could be living a lot more courageous life than me. Um, and so you might take risks that would be unfathomable for me. And we love to tell the stories of the people that do the most remarkable things out there. Um, and we like to imagine as though they do that effortlessly. But the truth is, is you get to know people. I mean, I, I have the great joy and horror of getting to know some of my heroes. <laughs> and, 
And I mean that sometimes it is a horror because you realize, wow, this person isn't all that courageous. They were just uniquely gifted. Um, and, or what they have looks like courage, but really there's not the formation to match the, the kind of altitude they're flying out, if that makes sense. And you can see impending doom coming to their life, much like a, a Samson or something. But then there's others that you meet who, man, everything has been against them. They've experienced massive amounts of pain from just sort of an external view, they're sort of gifting or talent or opportunities really low. But man, they've done things that push them beyond what anyone would imagine. Yeah. Um, they've been courageous in a way that is astounding. Um, they live with a kind of integrity that's inspiring. And so anyway, so all that's to say what, what can be dangerous is we tell these amazing stories and people are like, oh my gosh, that's unreachable. But I just feel like if every day you're just doing something a little bit more courageous, a little that makes you a little more vulnerable, uh, you're a little more encouraging, you're a little more loving, you're, you speak up about what you believe to be true about Jesus, just a little more in a few environments that you're not used to. Um, frankly, you continue to grow and God finds you to be incredibly usable in that sense. Um, so I guess in my mind, there's a momentum dynamic that's more true than achievement. Like a, there isn't like a place to achieve as much as a, a way to live. Um, so uh, I could speak about my life now. I mean, here's something interesting now that I'm working on that's courageous. Uh, I wasn't raised in any kind of church background. So all my family, the majority of my family have no real life with God that would match my life with God. And so I've been able to do all kinds of cool things, following Jesus, doing all kinds of neat stuff with church and whatever, all over the world, blah, blah, blah. But it's funny. There was this whole hole that I started to notice in my life where, and I've never really lived with a lot of integrity, even with my extended family. I didn't grow up around my family that much. And so a lot of my learning and growth in the last few years has just been what's it look like to reestablish contact with cousins and aunts and uncles. And strangely, that was as fearful as anything I've ever done. It felt really vulnerable mm. um, to engage people I know that disagree with a lot of what I believe to be true in the world. And frankly, in that environment, I haven't achieved all that much. I'm not that interesting. You know, a lot of my cousins are doctors and lawyers and high-flying business people, and and I'm a I'm a lowly pastor, right? You know, in our in our little Christian world, I'm kind of interesting, but you know, not even in the <laughs> world in the smallest piece of the Christian world that I inhabit, <laughs> people might think something interesting, but but in the real world. And definitely the real world that my family lives in, um, not so much. So it's taken a lot of courage to mm. engage those relationships, to get to know those people. And then to see what God has done by way of enabling me to connect with cousins and aunts and uncles, to be who I really am and watch God minister to them and minister to me in that. 
Um, yeah, I was thinking about this as I was getting on with you today. I, in some ways, living a courageous life can, like, you can have a holy selfishness hmm. to want to live courageously. Like, I find I find it shocking how many believers are really bored. You know, with their faith, I just think, how is that even possible? Hmm. How do you get bored? I, I mean, like. I feel like within like three seconds, I can make your faith now boring. I mean, it's, I mean, I can come up with something for you to do in the next four hours that'll make you suddenly get in touch with what the Holy Spirit's doing outside of you. Um, share your faith, pray for somebody who's sick that doesn't know Jesus. Um, the possibilities are endless. I, yeah, oh, it's endless. Like, I, I bet you right now if I said, okay— Name three places in your city that you're sure there's demonic activity. And show up and start praying. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to be bored then. No, something's <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> so, like, so the only reason people end up bored is because they're choosing to be so. And. You know, so for me, in some ways, if I find myself getting bored, I, I'll literally walk out of my house and just think, who can I talk to about Jesus in the next three hours? It's not hard. There's public places everywhere. I'm just gonna, You know, almost like, uh, did you ever see that movie Unbreakable? Oh, yeah, Here's, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So well, you know, and at the very end, he realizes he actually has all this power and he yeah. goes out into the the bus station, the train station. Uh, yeah, something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. And he puts his hands out. And just starts to let people brush against him because he's going, I just want to sort of use this power for good. I think anybody could do that if they want to. If you believe that the Holy Spirit, you know, is in you and that God is moving and there's evil in the world. If you just put yourself in a public place, say, God, what are you doing? Okay. You do so, so, so what, 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 uh, I've taken your point around like this is, this is relative in some senses, like, Jay, Jay of 10 years ago was afraid of different things from, from now or whatever. Um, yes. uh, and that somehow we, we sort of can choose to be bored. There's so many options out there. But what is it that stops us from, from this life of courage then? What are the common threads that run between all of us? Can you pick any of those Com out for us? Well, comfort, always comfort. I mean, yeah, we live in underneath a myth. It's literally just a lie, but it's, taken the form of a myth, especially in Western culture, that the more comfortable I become, the happier I'll be. It's just a, it's just a bold lie. Mm. I mean, even when you say it out loud, people immediately go, oh, that's ridiculous in their mind. Mm. But then if you follow them around in their life and you watch how they choose clothing, how they choose their route to work even they choose how they what they eat uh what what they wear where they sit uh where they live the friends they have the conversations they have you find immediately that we choose comfort hmm. and we live in a day and age where comfort is readily accessible in a way that it probably hasn't been for most humans, for most of time. So we live in a really dangerous time in that we seek comfort and we can actually get it. Mm. And 
So if one of the first things you just decide is where can I challenge my own comfort by way of personal disciplines. So for example, I, I don't know of a, I think the two disciplines in most Western culture to develop internally would be fasting would be a big one. And then solitude hmm. where I'm going to learn how to be quiet and get actually quiet, like on the inside, get still. And then I'll learn to fast. I'll move, I'll remove things from me that satiate certain kinds of pleasures. And if you can develop those disciplines internally and then externally, I'm going to learn to share my faith. I'm just going to speak up and say what I believe to be true about Jesus in a world that I know is hostile to that because that's a practice of integrity. Even if it's not to try to get anybody to like believe, <laughs> I'm just because I just want to be integrous. I want the outside of me to look like what I believe on the inside. Mm. So I'm not even trying to be persuasive. And I'm not like memorizing apologetic things or, you know, no C.S. Lewis or anything. I'm just going to story. Yeah. Those things threaten comfort. Like head on. Because it puts you in the stream um, of resistance internally and externally. And the truth is we – we only, we only grow with resistance. We don't grow with agreement. Hmm. So your body doesn't change. If you, if you lift weights to try to, you look like you work out. <laughs> you look like. Uh, no, it's, cool. it's a camera angle. You don't. Oh, okay. Camera angle. Okay. But if you, if you, <laughs> you, could tell, you couldn't tell I work out. I mean, I'm, but, but I do believe it or not. And if you, if you work out in a way that you're not tired, ever you're doing it wrong mm. so 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 again it's funny to me even in church how many times i'll get angry emails about a sermon or something we're doing like oh that's i don't like that mm. and my my response continually is good isn't that a great sign that means you actually have an opportunity to grow all those other times you've heard me preach we're like yeah yeah this is great this is great those don't those don't give you any opportunity to grow. It's when there's resistance you have an opportunity to grow. And again, we're so trained by the culture to be in agreement, to go along to get along, to be comfortable, that our spiritual life begins to mirror that. And then we wonder why we're bored and we're not growing. Mm. Okay, so comfort's right up there. Um in my own life and people I speak to, failure seems to be sort totally. of their risk, you know, fear of failure, basically. Why, why, does, why does failure terrify us so much? What's, under, well, what's underneath that fear? Don't, don't we all want to look good and do right? Hmm. I mean, like if I said to anybody, would anyone like to look bad and do it wrong? Who here, <laughs> you know, like Hands zero up. humans are like, yeah, I love looking bad. Mm. and doing it wrong okay so zero people signing up for that and yet again if you just remove your mind from it for just a second and talk about it in theory we all know that we have to look foolish and make mistakes in order to grow mm. 
And that's true in anything. I mean, again, let's not think spiritually. Like if anyone's been an athlete, done anything athletically, you only get better by doing it wrong. Right. And you have to look foolish from time to time. If anyone's played music, if anyone's tried to get better in any area of academics, you have to write a bad paper before you write a good paper. You know, you can't like just craft a masterpiece, like just out of your mind. That doesn't happen. Now, we like to imagine that that's what happens, that even the geniuses of the world around us, they just sort of like this stuff just flies out of their head. Or that singers, they just open their mouth and they sing beautifully. Mm. None of that's true. And even even social science shows us this. I mean, all the work that's been done in the last decade or so on brain science and how habits work and 10,000 hours to become an expert and all that stuff. So every we know that's true in every area of life. But then we come to our spiritual life and we go, especially charismatic types, believe that somehow we'll be zapped. And then we're like these healing people. You know, we just walk around and everybody we touch gets healed. Mm. Or we're these like phenomenal anointed worship leaders or anointed preachers. We use language like this. And I don't know. I'm at a point. I just don't even think any of that's true. I, I do believe there's anointed people. So the Holy Spirit can do things, but it still requires our effort and our mm-hmm. practice. So, so all that's to say, we fear failure. We want to look right and do good. And that's a huge enemy to growth. So it isn't falling in the spirit or flying in the spirit. It's walking in the spirit. And the good news and the bad news is uh, you already look stupid all the time. <laughs> Every single person looks stupid continually. Sometimes they know they look stupid. Sometimes they don't. That's the most terrifying thought is you often look stupid and you don't know it. I mean, we've all had the experience years later where we're like, I have been that dumb for that long. I cannot (laughs) believe that no one told me or I was unaware. See a photo of yourself in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah, or just... Yeah, I've had this tick. I've done this weird thing when I talk or, mm. you know, whatever. And I just never knew it. And somebody finally has the courage to tell us or whatever. And and we're like, oh, man, this has got to change. Now, that's true spiritually, too. Like, how could I have never been generous financially? Like, what was I doing? Mm. You know, I always thought people were out to get my money. And no matter how many times they told me. No, being generous changes you. It's a way for you to partner with God. I thought, eh, it's freaking church people is trying to take my money. Mm. And again, so it takes courage to say, you know what? I'm going to trust that what God says is true here. Against all my inclinations, against all my fears, I'm going to trust this. And that takes courage. I'm going to start to give, like maybe weekly, maybe right out of my paycheck, I'm, you know, whatever. And you suddenly realize, wait a minute, it turns out that's true. So much of what's spiritually true, you can't learn about until you do it. Mm. Um, You can't think about it. You actually have to practice it. And again, that requires courage. So what sort of, um, if we get over this sort of fear and over this comfort, what sort of possibilities open up before us as individuals, but as a community and as a city, you know, if we, 
if we start to embrace this, if KXE start to become a courageous community, what sort of what sort of possibilities open up? Well, the most critical one is you can actually grow personally. Without courage, you don't grow. Hmm. So you don't think your way to growth. You don't will your way to growth. Like, oh, wouldn't it be great to be kind, generous, loving? Wouldn't it be great to be about justice? You know, one of the things that terrifies me about the information age is the fact that people know things. They think they've actually done something. Mm. That's a terrifying problem right now culturally. Like if I have a cause bracelet, if I can talk about what's happening in Central Africa, it means something has changed. No, that doesn't mean anything's changed. Now, don't get me wrong. Information is important. But action – I mean, if we had half the information and three three times the action, we would actually do something. So number one, you can only change through courage. There's no way to change without it. I mean, none. There's no way. And then honestly, I think as a community, you form a different kind of humility. Again, information puffs up. There's something about thinking that makes you think you're better than you are. But the doing of things humbles you. Hmm. I mean, anyone that's ever been involved with addicts, like you could ask people, how do you think people get free from addictions? They can tell you a hundred different interesting thoughts. But then when you actually spend time with addicts and try to do things, it's a freaking nightmare. Hmm. Uh, Homelessness. You know, how are we going to help people get off the streets? Okay. People read their books. They study their public health policies. I mean, what a joke. When you actually like spend time with people who are living on the streets and share meals with them and talk about, try out all your public policy stuff then and look at how humbled you get. So honestly, I think the only way you create a humble community is to be an active community. Wow. I mean, when you interact with like sex trafficking for real, like, in the real world, your cool books don't mean nearly as much when you're looking at the systemic powers at play. You learn to pray differently. Um, yeah, you, you just you just behave differently. This is why – and I'm not saying we shouldn't have academics. I think academics are really important. But the academic worlds can become kind of haughty and arrogant without – intentional engagement with the real world. Does this make sense? It makes total sense. I think one of the things that's underpinning pattern as a whole concept is, is Jesus' idea of, of discipleship, discipleship as apprenticeship, as in becoming students and learners. And I suppose what I'm hearing you say is like, you can only do that, not through books. You do that by doing, you do that through getting out there, failing, making mistakes, giving it another go. And, and you grow in courage. It doesn't come to you instantly. You grow in it. Is that right? Yeah, and I think communally you become humble. Mm. And if the scriptures are true, which I happen to believe they are, uh, you only grow if you're humble. I mean, God isn't looking around going, man, if I could just get these people to think like three more great thoughts. It's more as you live into a different kind of life, actually your appetite for knowledge will grow. You know, you want to learn more because you're making a fool of yourself. Hmm. Um, We mostly don't need a lot more knowledge in the Western world. We need a lot more courage. 
Okay, so someone's listening to this, a group, a pattern group is listening to this and they're 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 compelled by it and stirred by it and think their life has become boring in terms of their spirituality and, and wanna wanna get out and do something. So what what um how should they start? Like where 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 they wake up tomorrow, what's their first few steps in this? Well, I think the questions I always want to ask people around courage is uh, questions of integrity. That's where I like to start with people. Are there any places where the faith that you have in Jesus are not being lived out in the rest of your real life? Hmm. Um, I think integrity is the starting point of courage. So in other words, are there patterns of sin, like things you kind of know you shouldn't be doing? We're living in a way that isn't within the context of who you believe God to be, that you are hiding or pretending in, in a way that you need to expose those things uh, in life with others. Courage kind of grows out of the bedrock of integrity. Hmm. And so maybe in your group you say, I'm watching stuff online I shouldn't be watching. I'm... I have an eating disorder I've never talked about. I, whatever. And you just say, okay, I want to live with some level of integrity because the truth is you're not going to want to be courageous out there if you haven't been integrous with the people closest to you. And then stretch that integrity question one layer out. Are there places where I lack integrity in the real world outside of just a community of faith? So I often ask people, is there, are there people around you that probably don't even know that you follow Jesus? People you work with, friends, family, like they would be shocked to hear that you follow Jesus. And you, I mean, what I mean by that is you not just go to church here and there. You actually want to make Jesus the center of your life. Right. And what would it look like for you to tell them your story? So in our church, we go through a process with people that's similar to what you guys are doing. Sounds like we have a lot to learn from you guys. And we have them shoot a little video, a three to five minute video of their own story. How did you come into life with Jesus? And then say, why don't you share that with like five people you think don't know that about you? And then ask them if you can get coffee and talk about the life that you found in Jesus. And again, no intention of persuading anyone. We're not, we're not trying to get anybody else to do anything else. It's just about you having integrity. Now, it turns out when you do that, sometimes people look at you and go, I would like a life with God. I didn't know you were that kind of person. Can you help me? And then, of course, we invite them to Alpha or mm. any of the number of other things. So integrity for me is a great starting point for courage. And usually when people examine their own life, they realize there's some gaps there. There's some gaps between things I'm doing I wish I wasn't doing and or some ways that I'm trying to live a life with God that I haven't included the real world in. And it, and it, and it takes courage is what you're, I hear you saying to bring those things that have been in the dark into the light, into Jesus' presence to be transformed. Yeah. I mean, the irony is we think of courage as becoming a different kind of person. Mm. When I think courage starts with just acknowledging who you already are <laughs> and allowing that to be consistent in your whole life. Mm. Jay, thanks so much. There's so much in there to to challenge us, to move us outwards. Anything else you wanted to say? Is there anything you... No, other than uh, all of these disciplines play together, as we talked about. So 
the internal work of studying the scriptures, learning to pray, fasting, solitude, being with Jesus, being with others, those all fuel uh, a courageous life. Thank you for listening to the Pattern Podcast. If you'd like to explore more spirit-filled patterns of living, head over to pattern.org.uk.